Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hope everybody, hope everybody got great sleep the last three nights. And it was nice and calm in your neighborhood or your part of the county. Uh, and if so, then be gracious to those of us who didn't get much sleep. Uh, we, glad, we are so glad you guys are here. Today's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal day. Uh, not only with worship this morning, the message that Kevin's got, uh, but don't forget tonight, 6.30, out here in the back, you can see the trailers out there so you know where the band and the praise team is going to be. Uh, and I showed the video out there this morning. When you're up there on the trailer, every, basically everywhere is open. All right, so you can park, sit wherever you're comfortable uh, on whatever social distancing level you want. In fact, if it's a real issue, you can park in the front parking lot out in front of the CLC and you will still be able to worship tonight. So it's going to be an awesome, awesome night. 6.30, uh, start getting here about 6 o'clock tonight, and we're looking forward to what God's going to do. You know, one of the things that we get to do every week that I, that is just so special is this time of coming together. Not just to sing, not just to read scripture, not just to pray, not just to hear a message, but we get to come together for a meal. We do it every Lord's Sunday. And this meal is made up of two elements. And in the bottom cup that you have there, uh, there's a piece of bread. In fact, if you would, I want to encourage you right now to get your cups and just to separate them because today we want to take together. Uh, we, I just want us to partake together. And if you go ahead and separate it, and just as you, as you look at that little piece of wafer, it, it seems kind of insignificant, doesn't it? Just in looking at it. But when you look at it through the lens of eternity and through the lens of the resurrection, this little piece of bread is enormous. The sacrifice of a Savior giving his body for us, coming and living for 33 years on earth so that uh, he would be able to experience everything that we experience and yet to do so without sin. And to say, I love you so much that I want to spend eternity with you. And so we take every week just a little piece to remind us of Christ's body. And so if you would right now, I'm going to give you just a few seconds to pray. And let's take the body together. the other cup I'm sure that's not even an ounce it doesn't seem very big at all either does it in a time when our world is in so much chaos and there's so much shedding of blood and there's so much talking about we're all one blood but to remember that Jesus freely gave his blood. And, and it, it's so hard to imagine how something that if you spill this on your clothes today will at the very least create a temporary stain. 
if you've got on something like color, it may stain it more than temporarily. And yet, Jesus' blood takes whatever stains we have and removes them. That was what his sacrifice was all about. Was this blood of Jesus was the ultimate stain remover. It removes the stain of guilt. It removes the stain of shame. It removes our sins as far as the east is from the west and grants us grace and forgiveness that lasts into eternity. So once again, I want you to just take a, a moment or two and say your own individual prayer, and let's take together the blood of Christ. We're so glad you're here this morning. Let's worship together. Church, this morning as we begin to worship, hear this word from Psalm 145. It says this, I will exalt you, my God and my King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. Let's stand together and sing about these things this morning.
thankful that the God of the universe who sent his son is coming to resurrect us again. The weather, if, if he comes now or he comes later, either way, I'm going. I'm excited about that. And I, I love it because today's lesson or message or sermon, whatever you want to call it, is about a big barbecue in heaven where all the hungry are fed. And it's, it's amazing because it's a picture of the inclusiveness of the kingdom of God for those who accept Christ. And it's just a beautiful picture. We're going to look at that today because, one, I think I'm the right guy to preach this message. I just do. I, I love parties. I love food. And a lot of you, how many like food? I mean, come on, be honest. We all love food. I like cornhole, the game. Um, if you thought it was some kind of food, no, it's the game. Uh, I'm not very good at it. I figured that out, but it, I found out a, a couple weeks ago at a barbecue. I like cornhole. It's it's a fun game. We played it last night with the kids. My son beat me 21 to three. Um, that was awesome. I love bonfires. I think bonfires are fancy. Maybe maybe not for you, but I think they are. I, I, it's just something pretty about when the, even last night, as hot as it was, having the fire. You, know, you sit back, but it, it's a lot of fun. I, um, I love hors d'oeuvres, like fancy ones, really good, like shrimp. People that use shrimp in their hors d'oeuvre, they got money, right? Uh, or bacon wrapped stuff. Anything wrapped in bacon is a fancy party. I, I think it's fantastic. I love, I, I love food. So I love when I'm at a restaurant, and I'm going to be honest with you. Everybody pretends like they're, you know, they hate this, but I love it when somebody picks up my tab. Like if I'm eating there and somebody just pays for my check willy nilly, I'm fan. I'm just excited, you know. I if if I have it happen in a drive through, I'm like yes, you know. And then you know you do that thing where you check to see how much the person behind yours was, and they'll be like, well, it's eighteen dollars. I'll be like, never mind. All right. <laughs> uh, I, I like it. I mean, how how many of you? Uh, how many of us have uh, had a friend buy our food though? And we make the comment, I'll get you next time, right? Well, we do that. We, we think about like these times when somebody picks up the tab and like, I got it next time. Because we feel like at some point we have to repay them. We have to reciprocate. 
And the beauty of the message today and what Jesus is going to talk about is a banquet, but it's not just about food and it's not just about a banqueting table. It's, it's about that, but it's also about our spiritual lives. It's about the inclusiveness of the kingdom of God. It's about sin forgiven. It's about things that we will receive from God that we cannot repay. We have no possible way of repaying God back for the grace he gave us. This is not our, our, uh, an opportunity for us to like bargain with God and say, well, you did this, so I'm going to do this for you. That's not what he wants. And we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit this morning. Years ago, when I was in youth ministry at a church in Louisville, I had a guy that was very, very high up in the UofL athletics department. And he invited me to the highest level of box seats in Papa John Stadium. Now, I have been to football games before. I know how to dress. So, and I did not have any U of L attire at all, right? I'm a cat fan, but this guy was very nice, part of our church. And so I, uh, I went and bought a, like a long sleeve U of L tee and I had my cargo shorts. I thought I was going to fit in perfectly. And I show up for this, uh, box event. I got to park. And special parking. They gave, he sent me a little thing that I put in my car, and I got to park like right next to the stadium entrance where we go up an elevator, and boom, we're at these box seats, and pretty pretty fancy. And I got my T-shirt, my cargo shorts on, and I walk into this place, and it's all suits, <laughs> which is awesome. And, you know, like I'm I'm continuously, constantly. Oh, underdressed all my life. It's fine. Uh, I'm used to that. And I, and I see like this table in the back and like I see orange white legs with claws sticking out of them. It's crab legs. I mean, they, they have this spread of food. Like, you know, I'm thinking it's going to be like hot dogs and hamburgers and stuff like that. No, no, this was some of the fanciest food. They had a pate. I don't even know what pate is, but it's gross. All right, get, wrap that stuff in bacon. Maybe it'll be better. But it was just, you know, it was not, it was not great. But I remember thinking that, I, I, I mean, I could do this every week. I mean, I wasn't invited to, but if I could, this would be fantastic. I loved it. The, 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 but the truth of the matter is that I would never be able to pay this guy back for what he had done for me that day. I mean, I wouldn't, there's no possible way. I didn't have the means to pay this gentleman back. Well, this banquet we're going to talk about in this passage today um, is the idea of Jesus telling a story of those who will dine with him forever, who will sit at the banqueting table of God. But it's not just about heaven. It's about the banquet we will experience in the kingdom of God here on earth as we walk it, like the, the, the right now. It's about the banquet that we have in the church. It's about not just food, it's about spiritual food. It's about the idea that we receive this grace, this mercy, this love, this forgiveness. And yes, it's in small, meager amounts compared to what we will get in heaven, but it's powerful in that it is life-changing for people here on earth. And he wants us to share this banquet with others. He wants the church to become this place that people long for and where the hungry get filled. And we're going to talk about that this morning. The beauty of the words of Jesus in Luke 14 is a parable is that they connect us with the heart of God. 
They connect us with his desires for our lives in such a, a perfect way. I mean, you think about all the parables that Jesus tells, the prodigal son, the lost sheep, the lost coin. That is a picture into the heart of God. You want to know what God is like in, in the ways that we can fathom as human beings? Look at the stories that Jesus tells. That will tell you what the heart of God is like. How, do we, how are we going to treat one another? How, we, how do we love those who cannot return the favor? Look at the stories and the story today that Jesus tells. How do we humbly receive and give grace and mercy? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 14. And I'll have it up on the screen and we'll dig into it in just a second. But let me set it up. And what has already happened in this chapter. In, in Luke 14, Jesus is at a party with a prominent Pharisee, a, a fancy lad, right? And it's all the other fancy people. And Jesus has been brought into this party, uh, not because they love Jesus, but because they want to watch Jesus and they want to trap Jesus. They want to destroy Jesus and they want him to break the law of God in front of them so they can persecute, crucify him later. That's what it's all about. They're wanting to set Jesus up. So they do this. They put a crippled guy right in front of him. Uh, this guy's got an inflammation disease. Some people call it dropsy. We don't really know, but he's in pain all the time. And he looks around and says, Hey, is it all right if I heal this guy? You know, wouldn't you get an ox out of a pit on a Sabbath or your son? Wouldn't you get your son out of the pit on the Sabbath? And, and they're just silent. And so he heals him. So he's already being watched closely. He heals on the the Sabbath, and then he rebukes the prideful way that they're just sitting there in silence, and then he goes on to rebuke them again because of the way they want to sit around the table. We talked about this last week. They all look for the seats closest to the host because that's where the most powerful, prominent of people would sit. And me, I'm kind of like the guy that wants to sit closer to wherever the table is, where the food is. Right, but that's not them. They they want this status. They they they've got this pride of where I'm going to get seated. And so Jesus in this moment tells them that they need to rethink the way they choose their seats. Pick the lower spot, and then maybe someone will move you up. And then he tells them that their guest list is wrong. They should have invited the very people they consistently reject. It's not a light moment. Like this whole setup, they're in this banquet and, and the people, you can just imagine like those religious leaders, the, the brows just furrowing on their face as they watch Jesus. They're, they're, not, they're not happy with what he said so far. So in verse 12, let's look at this. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers and relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. Now, this is a part of Scripture that we had last week, but I'm gonna, I, I want to go over it again uh, because this is exactly what happened at the banquet. Like, this is a prominent Pharisee who has invited all the wealthy people that will one day have a banquet of their own, and they're going to invite him, and then all the prominent people can go all to certain parties. Now, the problem with this is that it sounds exactly like what we do here today. Maybe without the prominence, but we invite our relatives, we invite our family, we invite our groups, and we say, hey, let's, uh, uh, let's have it at your place next, right? Pay me back. I mean, how many times have you had a conversation? Well, we've had them over for dinner. How many times? And they've never had us over for dinner. That's not right, right? We do that. And Jesus is saying, good. 
It's better not to be paid back. It's better not to be reciprocated. And, and the point of some of this is that God is going to do something in your life, in my life, that we cannot pay back. And he wants to do it in the lives of the people that we know that are around us that maybe can't pay you back. And so this idea of welcoming and inviting people who cannot pay you back, this is kind of a picture of how, uh, how God works. And we have to ask that question, how is my heart when it comes to the idea of manipulating favor for business or personal gain? How often do I think, well, if I invite them or I do this, they'll pay me back this? Am I, am I somewhere in the recesses of my subconscious thinking that? It's a good question. So Jesus tells him this, which, again, doesn't set the mood very well. I mean, it's it's a party, and, and he's kind of teaching them, hey, uh, don't invite all the people that are just going to invite you back and keep rubbing shoulders with that. Verse 13, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. These are all the people they consistently rejected. He tells these prominent Pharisees and religious leaders, invite the very people that you reject and think are spiritually poor because of their illness or their blindness or their lameness and invite them. Are you kidding me? Those are the people that are full of sin and that's why God's punishing them and that's why they have all these issues is because God doesn't like them. I'm not inviting them and Jesus is saying this is exactly who God would want you to invite. He's setting the stage not just for a banquet with food, a a physical banquet. He's setting the stage for a spiritual banquet. He's setting the stage for them to understand that what God is coming to do. And Jesus modeled it so well because he told the Pharisees, I come for the sick. I come for the poor and the crippled. And over and over in his ministry, who was he spending his time with? Broken, messed up people. When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Verse 14. And we're just going to walk through some of these verses today. And and he follows up and says in verse 14, and you will be blessed. Now this scripture and verse 14 may be one of the most important scriptures you have heard or will hear for a long time. This, This is important. This is significant. Verse 14, and you will be blessed. If you invite those people, you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, this is a question of faith because do you believe in God's word? Do you believe in the teachings of Christ? And do you believe what he says? Now, we spend all kinds of time worrying about those papers we receive on a monthly or quarterly basis of where our stocks are and our IRAs and our retirements and our investments and our savings accounts. We, we spend a lot of time thinking about, well, if I can get a certain nest egg put away, then I can retire and enjoy it. In fact, we will toil for so long and so hard that at some point we're too old to enjoy what we've saved away. In fact, there's a parable Jesus tells about that. And we work really hard to set aside this money for our enjoyment later, not knowing if we will be too old, too sick, or too lame to enjoy it when that day comes. Truth? There's a reality to that. It's kind of a sad reality. We work really hard to set ourselves up for later, and we don't know if we're going to make it or enjoy it when it comes. That's retirement. 
we can't take any of it with us. I got to fill it up. You can't take it to wherever you're, uh, whether it's heaven or hell. You're not taking it with you. And verse 14 tells us that when you bless others, when you feed those that are hungry, when you care for the kingdom of God, when you invest in the ministry of the kingdom of God here on earth through the church and through the Holy Spirit leading you, when you do those things, this is what 14 says, although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection. You are putting an investment into the kingdom of heaven. You get that? That's the promise. So you again, ask the question, do you believe what God's word says? Do you believe what the words of Jesus are? Do you believe that what he's teaching here is truth? Because this is the type of investment that I could get. It's a guaranteed eternal repayment for the good I do here for the kingdom of God and the church now. What a fantastic I wonder what the rate of return is on this. I mean, it could be pretty good. I mean, it could be like 10, 20, 30%. This could be awesome. But at some point, investing in God's kingdom is going to repay us for eternity versus not knowing what our future here holds. That's that's pretty fantastic. Now, this whole thing, these first, these first 14 verses have created quite an uh, awkward moment at a party. Can you imagine? All these rich, wealthy people getting together, slapping each other's backs and saying, oh, did you see that guy blind and crippled the other day? And then Jesus is like correcting them all, right? And it's created a very awkward moment. The tension in the room is just so thick that you could cut it, right? I mean, it's just like incredibly uncomfortable. And verse 15 comes along and some guy blurts out. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. So after these corrections from Jesus and these awkward moments, this guy pipes up like a Monty Python film, right? Blessed are those... I mean, he just out of the, I mean, he's, what he's trying to do is ease the tension. He's trying to say, hey, won't it be great when we eat at the feast in the kingdom of God? Won't that be fantastic? Did you try to kind of uh, spread some honey over this mess? Just make it, make it more palpable, make it more comfortable because it feels so uncomfortable. Everybody's just staring at Jesus because he's rebuked them with what he's teaching right now. And in this moment, this awkwardness, I mean, where Jesus has healed illegally, he's, he's scorned them for their silence. He's corrected them for their status efforts in the seating arrangements. And now he tells them that the fancy guests are the wrong invite list. Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And then I just imagine someone saying spam, but anyway, Monty Python fans will get that. And he says this. And you'd think maybe, okay, Jesus would hold back and let it, you know, okay, everybody, let's, let's get back to the crab legs and the pate. That's not what he does. He takes a, a deep breath. I don't know if he does or not. He may not have needed a deep breath. I would have needed a deep breath. And he goes into another story. And this one is much more consequential and 
difficult for them to hear than what they've already heard because it's heaven and hell. And that's what we're going to talk about today, this parable of this banquet. In verse 16, Jesus starts out, He replied, it says, Jesus replied. He's telling this parable. And again, this is a picture into the heart of God. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Now, there's beautiful uh, things that we can gain from that little passage of Scripture. Uh, This parable is talking about heaven, right? It's talking about what we are going to experience when we go to heaven. There's a banqueting table. There's a, a great feast, and that's true. That description has been used many times in the Bible. And this certain man, if we're looking at it as a parable, we need to understand this certain man is God. And Jesus, this is, this is the host of the party. And the great banquet is obviously heaven. And the invited guest in this story, in this beginning part, is the Jews. These are the people that are ex- invited in the beginning of this party. And it's not just about food and a banquet. It's about spiritual life. So get that. It's about the kingdom of God. And it's not just the kingdom of God in heaven. It's the kingdom of God that we experience here on earth through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the church, the Bible, the fellowship, the love that that we have in the church. It's, It's a spiritual life with God through Jesus. And so he's in, he's telling them this. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Verse 17, at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant, which I think could be translated possibly as Jesus, to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. Now, just so you understand, in those days, they would have, a person would plan a banquet. They would send out invites to everybody and everybody would say, yeah, I'm coming. Yeah, I'm coming. Yeah, I'm coming. They would get the invites back, but they wouldn't know what time the party was. That's not how they did it back then. Hey, show up at three. Papa John's is at three fifteen. That's not how it works back then. They had to prepare the food. They had to slaughter the beast. They had to cook the beast. They had to get all this stuff together. And in this, party that is planned. Uh, You said you were going to come on this day and he's going to send a servant out to let you know everything is ready on the day of the party. That's what's going on here. So if some of this was confusing, just know that he sends the servant out on the day of the party to say, hey, the feast is ready, show up. And everybody's kind of supposed to be anticipating and waiting on this banquet. Verse 18 But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Test drive. Please excuse me. And still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, that seems like somewhat normal excuses we might use to turn down an invite, right? We might, we might use something like that. I, I just bought a field. I have to go see it. But this, in their minds, at the people hearing this story from Jesus, they would have thought that that was just ridiculous. They would have thought those excuses were in that day when there was a great banquet being thrown and there was free food on the table. You did not turn it down and you certainly did not accept an invitation and then reject it later. You didn't. That was just considered extremely rude. 
not showing up on the day of because you bought a field and you got to go see it that they would have laughed at that in hearing jesus tell this story and i think this is intentional on jesus's part he knows the excuses for why they're not showing up at this banqueting table are ridiculous he knows that and so he goes on to tell him um uh, that the other guy says that he's got to go try out test drive some oxen now, first of all, if you're buying five yoke of oxen, that's 10 ox, okay? That's 10 ox. That, that's a wealthy man. And the idea that he has to go try them out is absolutely ridiculous to them in this story. It, it, it's like he's trying to be uh, ridiculous. He's trying to exaggerate this, the ridiculousness of these excuses. And this last one is no different. Verse 20, it said, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, I spent some time studying the scripture this week. You guys maybe have gotten your first look at it today. What do you think that means? I just got married. I can't come. This is a request for information back, so yell it out. What do you think? No, no, honeymoon. Now, that would be a legitimate excuse. I just got married, like yesterday. We ain't going to be there. We're going to Cancun. Yeah, that, that, that might be. But he knew of the wedding day before he accepted the invitation, right? The first time. Because they have to be betrothed for a year in the Jewish culture, right? So I don't, I don't know that I buy that one. What do, you th- what do you think it was? Did you know when the Pharisees prayed, uh, it was common, and I read this in a couple different Jewish resource books, that they would pray, that they, they would say, thank God I'm not a woman, very chauvinist, I know. I wasn't for it either, just so you're clear, okay? Very chauvinist. Thank God that I'm... That was a part of their ritual prayers in the temple. Thank God I wasn't born a woman. They had very little respect for the female culture. Very, It's kind of very interesting. In this situation, it would have been such a ridiculous excuse, laughable, because you're henpecked. Oh, the woman's going to tell you you can't come to the party? Are you serious? This would have been crazy too for the people hearing this. No one says yes to a party like this and then cancels on the day of. It's not something they just did. And they knew this. I think sometimes we have excuses that sound ridiculous too. Don't we? I mean, I hear excuses from people who decide i don't i don't want to come to church because of the hypocrites i don't want to come to church because i am on golf league on sunday mornings i don't want to come to church because i got we, we we make up excuses and i wonder sometimes based on what was the cost of our grace and the start of the church the the cross of christ if some of our excuses begin to sound ridiculous right We'll get back to that. Let's go to verse 21. So he's, uh, the, these people give these excuses. The servant, verse 21, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered a servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Now think about this for a moment. The people that were first invited were the, the Jews. 
And he is basically going over history and a future of what's happening in the kingdom of God right there. He's saying that the first invited people came up with all these excuses. They rejected the master at this point. They have been told for centuries that the Savior would come, be born in Bethlehem, uh, born of a virgin, all these different, be doing miracles and, and, and being able to do these powerful things. Everything that Jesus, in fact, some, it says in the Bible that some Pharisees even knew that it was the Christ, but they were going to kill him anyway because they didn't want to lose power. It's crazy, right? And so they, re, they rejected Jesus. And that's the story that we're getting in this little bitty parable. And so after being rejected for the party, the master becomes angry and says, go invite all the poor, all the crippled, all the lame. Go out and invite the very people that the religious establishment, the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders have rejected. Verse 22, sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. I love it. I love it that I know that the heart of God that we're seeing right here is that he wants a full party. I love it that there's enough room and enough food that he's wanting to invite those on the outer edges of societal religious life in this day. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool because he wants a party and he wants heaven to be full. And in verse 23, we read, then the master told a servant, go out to the roads and county lanes or country lanes and compel them. Now this word in the Greek, compel them is like twisting their arm. It is a, it is a, it is a talk them into, help them to understand. Well, why would they need to do that? Now, first of all, going out into the roads and the country lanes, that's the Gentiles. That's us. And compel them because in that day and age, they would have not felt worthy to come to a banquet hosted by someone in Jerusalem or in uh, near the temple or the religious structure. All the Gentiles were having to live far away from that. They may do commerce, but they weren't invited to parties. But here, this master is sending them out. He wants his house to be full. And he wants us to, he wants them to compel, twist their arm, get them to come. They'll say that they're not worthy or they're, I don't think I'm going to go. I don't feel like I could dress up to, to, you know, I just, uh, they, 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 I just lost my place. (laughs) They wouldn't have felt like they deserved to be at that party. Verse 24, I tell you, and this is Jesus, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now, this phrase, I tell you, was used a few times in the book of Luke. In in those times that it was used, it was a, a switch in the conversation, telling a story in third person, and now I tell you, I'm talking to the audience. And Jesus was directing this, I tell you, to the audience. And he changes something here that's very important because it was a story about a great man and a banquet. But then in verse 24, he says, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of 
my banquet. You think it was tense before? He's basically just told those partygoers they won't be in the kingdom of God. That assumption that gentleman made in verse 15, Jesus is saying, you're assuming wrongly. You've rejected me. You've dissed my invite. And you're not coming. This is a pretty substantial statement. Not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. You won't be there. You're not going to be in heaven. And we, we hear this parable, we, we, and we wonder, okay, well, uh, that was a harsh lesson for the Jewish leaders of this time, but what's that got to do with me? Well, it's got a couple things. The story's got you in it, too, because the kingdom of God in this banquet and the people invited and compelled to be a part of it is us. And you might be sitting there for the first time this morning, or maybe you're here because your wife twisted your arm and compelled you to come, but you've been putting up excuses all your life. And my first thing that I want you to take home or write down is accept the invitation. No more lame excuses. No more delay. What you're being invited to is something that you can never repay, but has been paid for for us through Jesus. Isn't that fantastic? So my first lesson is accept the invitation. Now, if you've already accepted the invitation, the second thing, and this is going to sound weird, is attend the banquet. And you say, well, wait, that's heaven. I don't want to die yet. You know, it's, uh, that's far off somewhere. Attend the banquet. It's not just the kingdom of heaven that is in heaven being prepared for us. It's the kingdom of heaven that's here right now. It's his kingdom on earth. Well, what does that mean? That means the church. That means Bible studies. That means his word as we study it. That means time and prayer. That means worshiping as we're driving down the road. This is seven days a week. Let's attend the banquet. Let's be in the presence of God all the time. That's what we're invited into. Accept the invitation. Attend the banquet. Show up for the kingdom, kingdom of God daily. No more excuses. Well, Kevin, I'm not worth that. No, you're not. Neither am I. Well, Kevin, I don't, I don't, I don't deserve that kind of grace, and I don't know if I can do that on Tuesdays. I got a thing, and uh, no more excuses. The kingdom of God is now. Not just that table one day, which will be awesome, but now you have been invited to something you cannot afford or pay back, period. Isn't that wonderful? You've been invited into a grace that you can't pay back. The third and final thing is invite the lost. Invite the really lost, not just the lost, like somewhat lost like you and I, but invite the really lost, the, the, the poor, the crippled. This isn't just physical. This is spiritual. The spiritually crippled, the lame and the blind. This, this, is, this is a, you know, when Jesus walked the earth, Think about this for just a second. When Jesus walked the earth, who were his followers? Who wept at his feet and poured perfume over it? What, what did she do for a living? Anybody? She was a prostitute. Jesus had prostitutes following him. What about the tax collectors, the biggest cheats, scammers, scoundrels in the whole community? Those were the guys that followed him. What did the religious, pious, pompous, prominent Pharisees due to Jesus the entire time he was there they rejected him they didn't just reject him their self-righteousness 
caused them to reject his band of followers. And who were his followers? The prostitutes, the thieves, the tax collectors, the demon-possessed, the lepers, the poor, the broken. They flocked to Jesus, right? They flocked to him. They went after him. They wanted to be near him They because he accepted them. He healed them. He touched them. He brought grace into their lives. Now, isn't it strange that 2,000 years later, today, sinners, broken, hurt, avoid the church? And most churches, our fault is we desire to reach those that have it mostly together. How would we respond to a really messed up, broken, crippled, lame person walking into our doors? A prostitute. A homosexual. I'm not saying we condone either of those sins. That's not what I'm saying. But what has changed that they no longer feel like being near Jesus or his church, his bride, is something they want to do because they don't feel worthy. They would feel rejected. What, what has changed from who followed Jesus then and who comes into our church now? Have we forgotten that the blood that was spilled on the cross was for our sin? Have we lost the humility of our confession to God about our brokenness? Our lies, our lust, our selfishness, our greed, our hatred, our judgment, our gossip, our divorces, our betrayals, our apathy, our just all the loathsomeness that we bring to Jesus that we can't repay him for the invite. That Jesus saved a wretch like me. Are we not humbled by grace, by the invitation through Christ and his forgiveness to sit at the table of God? Are we not humbled by that? I'm humbled by that. Something I can never repay is that I get to walk in here and take that little cup and be reminded that he paid for my sin. We have been cleaned up by the very hands that can bring that same power to the broken in our community today. The last question I'll ask is, are we compelled to actively invite others to the table? The poor, the lame, the crippled, the blind. I hope so. I hope we're a church that seeks to fill this banqueting table Sunday morning every week. Are we out there inviting those that maybe need to be compelled to know the grace of Christ? I'm going to close with this scripture. It's from Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 9. It was written some 600 years before Jesus comes and tells this little story. But there are glimpses of a description of this banquet that the man will host one day, the, the, the great man that is God for us. Verse 6, it says, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich foods, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. 
It will be said on that day, verse 9, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. I'm excited for this banquet more than any banquet that I've ever been invited to. And I hope you are too. But it starts now. As we invite them to the kingdom of God that rests not just in this room, but in our life groups and our and our mission trips and our, our ministries, we invite people into this grace and relationship with Jesus. And I pray that you and I can do that as we go out throughout this week. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for the story of the banquet. To know that we were compelled to go, that that as a Gentile, as a person that didn't have any religious background, that your grace, that your life would impact the people in this room today. That we get to be a part of the kingdom. Thank you for that. Thank you for uh, your love and mercy that just overwhelms us each and every day. May we be reminded of that guilt that we were able to take off because of your grace. And may we be reminded of that, especially when we come into contact with the poor, the broken, the crippled, the blind that we run into each and every day. Those that are hurting, those that are failing, those that are losing the battle with sin. God, may we be more gracious and merciful because of that. Thank you for your invite. I can't wait to be there. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to thank you for being here this morning. If you uh, do have a decision you'd like to make, I don't. the, the band's not coming back up apparently. I was waiting on that. I was kind of... Uh, uh, but if you have a decision, we have some counselors over here. Love to talk to you social distance, all that good stuff. Just go over there uh, when I dismiss you. Also, we have Brett in the back. If you're new, first time here, uh, he's got a gift for you and love to talk to you uh, about the church and answer any questions you might have. Otherwise, a couple quick things. Tonight, tonight, it's going to be awesome, 630 or 7:30. I'm excited. Uh, we're going to worship out here. You probably saw the wagon out here. It's, it's going to be good. Bring a lawn chair. Uh, invite some friends and uh, come out and worship with us. I'm sure it's going to cool off a little bit. I'm sure. If you want to bring an umbrella, that might be a good idea. We can provide some shade and it's going to be awesome. So 630 or 7:30. I'm excited about it. And one more thing, there is a couple's cookout on the 24th of July. It's going to be on the new property. Uh, you can social distance. It's outdoors. We're going to be safe. We're going to be safe with the food and everything. The food is paid. I'm inviting you to a great banquet. Okay. The food is paid for and we want couples there. We don't want any kids. So you're thinking, oh, yeah, I can bring my kids. Don't bring your kids. I'll send you home, okay? Don't bring your kids. It's just couples. Get a babysitter or just tie them up somewhere. <laughs> Don't bring your kids. We're going to have a banquet together. We're going to eat, and we're just going to be couple. We want to launch our initiatives for marriages. Uh, we want to let you know about some of the resources and things we're doing to help uh, our marriages grow and protect our marriages. So um, uh, 
come uh, and check out. You need to sign up online. There's a little sign-up button on the website. So go and do that so we know how much food to get as soon as possible today. Uh, and we just want to talk about our marriages. So I'd uh, love for you to sign up for that. We, we love you guys. Have a great week. And I've, I think I've gone over. Did I go over? I did. Okay. Get out of here. Hurry up. I went over. Go, go.